Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Freeman, New Right Network, Right Voice Right Now. This is Right Now, the flagship show of New Right Network. We are here with Luke Negron. We've spoken to him before. He was a candidate on Pennsylvania 18. He is now the only Republican candidate on the ballot. Tell us more, Luke. That is correct, Mary. It is so good to be back. Uh, how the months fly, right? I mean, yeah. last time we talked, there was no global pandemic that, that we knew of. Uh, I was just one of five candidates in, in the runnings for the nomination process on the Republican side of the ticket. And, uh, and now here we are several months later, a lot has changed. And I have some great updates for you and the great listeners and watchers of, of NRN. So out of a field of five prospective candidates on the Republican side, uh, my candidacy, my team and I emerged as the only to be on the ballot and to be the uh, the Republican option for PA 18 representing the, the U.S. House um, out of Pittsburgh and, and the South Hills. So that's, that's where we are. Awesome. How hard was excited. that to do? <laughs> it was really hard. You know, everybody told me as I was going into it, they said, the hardest thing you will do in the election cycle is the nomination process. This one month uh, of going through the PA nomination process is going to be longer hours and harder days than anything else you'll do in the campaign. And to date, that has been true. It yeah. was extremely hard. My team was amazing, though. Uh, we came together and we were represented the youngest candidacy out of that field of five, and we were the only ones to get it done. So I am so proud of them. I am uh, proud to be working with the people I'm, I'm working alongside. And uh, here we are now, gearing up for the rest of 2020. That is fantastic. And on, on the subject of, of young, aren't you the youngest person to run for this seat? I, this year, as far as I know, I am. So uh, I am 27 years old. The legal age is 25, actually. So mm. I'm several years past what, what we legally need. Uh, and I, I think that historically, there have been people who have actually run at younger ages than me. But right now, as far as I know, I am the youngest going. And, and that's pretty fun. It, it's something that keeps, keeps a little energy flowing in, in our veins, you know? Right. So it's, so it's you know, it's, it's like the young people are, are, getting thing, are getting up and they're standing up and they're coming. Yeah. What has been your experience with the younger generation? I know you mm. talked to the younger generation about things. Uh, what that's was the right. response to you? What's going on with the young people out there? Yeah, well, so first of all, I'd say I think that the right side of the aisle, conservatives, are a little bit behind the eight ball on this one. So we see a lot of leftist young leaders coming out in the last, I'd say, uh, half decade or so, you know, five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, we see people like the AOCs, the Gretas of the world coming out, making their mark in massive ways on a national and global level. And now the right side of the aisle is finally saying, okay, wait a second, where, where are our young leaders? Because we've got some great older leaders. There are some really great older conservatives, but where's our next generation of leadership? We need that. And right. now the right is finally kind of playing catch up there. So I love to see that. And then young people as a whole, in a very bipartisan manner, 
are very energized in 2020. They know that they make up the largest voting block uh, of voters in the 2020 election cycle. And uh, young people are really looking to get some representation for them. People who can relate to their jobs and to their education history and to their needs, their cultural uh, norms. These are things that, that are quickly changing in our society. And we don't see a lot of leaders who can relate to people today. A, a lot of people like my opponent have come into politics in the 80s and 90s. And then they've been in yeah. their elitist bubble ever since then. So the problem yeah. there is if you can relate to the last time you can relate to being a normal citizen, you know, a working class man or woman was the 80s or 90s. How out of touch must you be today in 2020 when so much has changed, right? Right. And with so many people like Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden, and that's the only job they've ever known is politics and that how that's right how out of touch could you that's why donald trump won in 2016 correct is people that's, just are exactly not right. they're just not connecting right yes. how, what are your thoughts on that this is this is yeah <laughs> it's the style of communicating and connecting with the working class so so with this you see a bunch of different approaches number one it's the way you talk to people you speak to them not as someone who's separate from them, not as someone who's better than them. You speak to them as one of them. And whether or not Donald Trump, you know, people say, well, he's a billionaire. What does he know about being one of us? Well, you got to give the guy credit because he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to relate yeah. to those working class people who vote for him. He goes to the Rust Belt, the Bible Belt, and he connects with them. And you feel like he's one of you. He, he's, you know, joking with the guys and, and he's uh, just speaking in a way that's relatable. That's communication is key. And then right. uh, beyond that, I think there's a level of something that's a, a big talking point for me. It's something I believe in, which is transparency, political transparency, owning the fact that you're just a human. You're not some local monarch. You're nothing special. You're just one of these citizens who saw needed change in their society and decided to step up to the plate. That's all. It's that simple. It's not very complicated. And a lot right. of politicians forget that today, that they get into power and they seem to think that they're, they're something uh, beyond the, the typical citizenry. I think that's so wrong. And people are starting to see through that in a bipartisan manner. And I love Excellent. that, seeing through the game Excellent. of politics. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I have a, a son who's just a little bit younger than you. And he started out on the liberal side of things. Uh, and just things that have been happening out there today with the kind of the craziness and the Trump derangement syndrome going on. He started listening to uh, Louder with Crowder. Yeah. Steven like Crowder, that. Yeah. Steven Crowder. Yeah. All of those folks. He starts listening to them and he's like, oh, wait. So now he's kind of, he's waking up and yeah. uh, I'm proud to report myself that he's going to be voting for <laughs> Donald Trump this year. So I love that's it. pretty I love exciting. The, the, do you feel like the youth of today is kind of, is, is kind of like that they're kind of going whoa wait what i do and here's something special about my team and my candidacy as a person and it's that i'm able to relate to and communicate with those people in a way that is uh that's um very normal for them so if an older conservative were to approach some centrist or center-left voters like your son today they might be less likely to listen because those older conservatives, um, some of them have sold out, some of them have become part of the very establishment they were meant to fight, and others, they, the optics just aren't very good. It's not very easy for a millennial to really take lessons from these people who we've grown to not respect very much. And whether that's entirely right or entirely right. wrong, that's neither here nor it's there. It's still we're happening. 
we're just dealing with reality as it is, right? Yes. So, yes. but then you say your son, perfect example. He listened to a younger man like Steven Crowder on YouTube. Yes. And the cool thing about that is through an alternate means of media, through YouTube, not through Fox News, not through CNN, through a YouTube yes. channel that Steven Crowder started himself while he was in college. Um, and your son listened to him probably partially because he was listening to someone from his own generation who could relate yeah. to him. And yeah. he felt like, you know what, I'm center left. I, I don't agree with everything this guy is saying, but at least he understands me. And then we have a lot of people with good hearts, with good intentions on the left who are simply deceived. They, they've been lied to and they want to do good. They want to help people. They want to be honest and they right. like transparency in politics, but they just, they need to be, um, they need to be told the full, the full spectrum, the full right. picture. And then they start to make the right choices. So yeah. it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing to yeah. see. And your son is one of many examples who I think we can work with. And, and I love that. Actually. And speaking of the mainstream media versus mm -hmm. places like New Right Network and uh, Louder with Crowder and uh, yeah. uh, Ben Shapiro, people of that nature, Candace Owens, people mm -hmm. who are going around the mainstream media, they've taken their cue from Donald Trump himself and mm -hmm. his Twitter presence, and That's they've right. gone around right. the mainstream media to tell people the truth. And one of the things about the that we are desperately needing transparency on right now uh, is the COVID-19 pandemic. We aren't being told the truth, Luke. Um, there's a lot of people that come to me and they say, okay, look, we've seen Candace Owens and people of that nature, and they're telling us that those death tolls are padded with people mm -hmm. who didn't even die of COVID-19. And we saw the media early on, even though Trump himself said, okay, start screening these people from from China, you need to start mm -hmm. screening these people. Okay, okay, That's now right. we need to shut down. And he did it before anybody else thought it was okay right. and got called a xenophobe. And then yes, he put right. out a statement saying that there was no reason for all of this. These are people who are, and then they're like, oh, it's no bigger than the flu. It's no worse. As a matter of fact, the flu is worse and, and all of that. And now they're saying that Trump isn't taking this. Right. And then they flip the script. And yes, and yes. it's all about messaging. And sadly, this is all about. Uh, who has the microphone and who can get people to listen Be mm -hmm. because truth really doesn't always matter anymore, which is sad from, from a media perspective. I believe that the truth is, uh, you know, as a Christian, that the truth will set you free. The truth is yes. what brings true freedom. However, from a media perspective, the truth is, is uh, it, it, you know, you can take it or leave it. it. It's all about their messaging. It's all about how they can spin it. And that's one of my big criticisms of this current situation is back in, I believe, late January of 2020, uh, Trump restricted travel from China, and he mm -hmm. was called a, a racist and a, and, a, and a xenophobe for, for it. And now all, all of a sudden, people are saying, oh, he didn't act soon enough. And it's like, okay, w which criticism are you going to go with here? It, yeah. it can't be both, right? You can't, you can't have, have both. it both ways. These no. are mutually exclusive criticisms of a person. Uh, so that's a big problem that we see. And then the reporting that the media has done, I think on the numbers, um, I read a, a report just yesterday that said several reports have shown pictures of Italian hospitals while mm -hmm. reporting on American New York uh, as, as a region, New York City as a region. Mm -hmm. So things like that are, they really don't surprise me or anyone else. I think we kind of hear that and we go, I'm not shocked that figures, at all. <laughs> that's, the, that's the American media for you. That's the mainstream media. But, um, but it's a shame. It should not be like that, especially when 
we're in the midst of something that should be apolitical, right? This is a it national health it crisis. It should involve us all. You're correct. Exactly. It, it should be kind of like a war, you, you know, where you come alongside your fellow Americans and you say, okay, right now is not a time to grandstand or to claim a, a false moral high ground. Right now is a time to save lives. And then we can deal with the politics later down the road. Mm -hmm. that, that would be the correct approach. But it gets so nasty. But this seems like this is their politics. They, the, it, it is their politics. They, they go around and they cut out. I saw, I saw somebody. I, I got in a Twitter battle with Sebastian. <laughs> Sebastian we all do Bach. sometimes. Sebastian yeah, yeah. Bach. I, well, I wasn't battling him. I was trying to tell him the truth. But he posted <laughs> Sebastian Bach. Okay, Sebastian Bach. You know, Skid Row. Mm -hmm. Sebastian Bach posted a video that just had sound bites of Trump talking yeah. about things. Yeah. The thing they don't tell you is that he was being advised by the very people who were saying it was the flu was worse and that this mm. wasn't like, like Dr. Fauci said that this was not mm. something that Americans needed to be afraid of. How do we, how do we combat this? Yeah, how do we I got this, and how do we find out the truth? This we need to hear from our leaders, and and you are one. So we do. We need to hear from from our leaders. We need to come back to that place of expecting, and not just expecting, but demanding transparency and leadership, and then also doing our own due diligence, which is the, the part that no one wants to hear, but sadly, in this day and age, that that's largely what's necessary is looking at the numbers uh, and doing your research on where are these numbers coming from. So two examples that I give. Uh, with that are, number one, you need to, as an American, you should pay attention to your region, so your state and uh, your country first, as opposed to the global numbers. Because a lot of media sources have been using global numbers on the mortality rate and the infection rate. The problem here is that, well, number one, we know that China isn't reporting the accurate numbers. China right. threw people in prison who sounded the whistle early on this. China uh, tried to squelch this news story and actually, I believe it's a study out of a uh, University of Southampton said if China had acted three weeks earlier, we could have uh, we could have reduced the impact of COVID by uh, as much as ninety five percent. So wow. uh, so China is massively to blame. We can't trust their numbers. So take those off the global sphere of, of being reported on. And then we've got several areas that are that are um, more in the second and third world region. And we've got areas like Italy, which has awful socialized medicine. They've been selling their medical equipment to pay off their national debt for the last couple of years. Uh, so comparing Italian numbers to our numbers is again, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison. So Americans need to pay attention to American numbers. Uh, that, that's actually the, the biggest point that I think here to, to fight the hysteria, but stay informed and keep your family safe is know the numbers you're working with and don't just go on, on what, what the, the news is, is kind of spreading from a real fear mongering perspective. Now I've seen I've seen medical professionals going on Twitter and anywhere else that they can get a voice and saying, look, they're telling us to report things as COVID-19 and they're not. These mm. people are not dying of COVID-19. There was a medical examiner, I've seen a nurse or two, and a doctor. Um, wow. So the the due diligence thing is a very important thing and and uh but now we've got, now we've got things like uh, I don't, I can't remember if it was CBS or MSNBC. They've got a nurse on there that uh, she's weeping and she's saying that she had to quit. I saw this. Yes. You saw yeah. that. 
How genuine is that? Would you would you put any stock in that? Because you I know, know you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. My standard when it comes to news stories, whether it's a police shooting or a nurse quitting or or any of this type of stuff that tends to be dramatized today, is mm -hmm. uh, let's wait for the facts to come out. Uh, I don't want to be someone who jumps to a premature judgment. And uh, so, could this? It, it, is this person even really a nurse? I don't know. I don't know the facts surrounding the situation. It seems like something that any normal person could do: record a. a uh, video of yourself and, and post it on social media and claim to be a nurse, you could certainly be, be faking that. Um, it, did right. this person really quit for the reasons that she said she quit for? We don't know. So I, I don't want to pass any premature judgments on it, but I will say it seems fishy and it seems like we probably don't have all the facts surrounding it right now. Uh, so we need to be careful. And one of the sad parts about this though is that we know that the media hates Trump so much that one of the bright sides, the silver linings that they see around this national tra tragedy is the fact that, well, hey, at least we can make Trump look bad. At least we can destroy his economy and, and make things look awful for his presidency. And, and it shouldn't be like that. I wish that mm -hmm. we could say, hey, at least the media is reporting on it fairly. You know, at least we know that the media has no dog in this fight, right? It, they're, they're just trying to report the facts as they are right but we know that that's not the case so we've not. seen the bias for years we saw the sham impeachment what we we saw all of this stuff happen without evidence to back it up so now we know that this is just a way for them to use leverage and i'm not saying that uh covid doesn't matter i'm not saying that it is not dangerous but i'm right. saying i wish that the two uh topics of healthcare could be pretty separate in Hey, you still there? Sorry, I just lost yeah. you for a second. Yeah, we, our, our connection's kind of, and don't worry about anything. I can, I can deceptively edit this, <laughs> this video, but it, it's, it's, I, you're kind of lagging there a little bit. Okay, it's still lagging? Oh, a tiny bit. Okay, okay, I but hear you, you pretty, pretty well on my side, so, yep. Okay, good. All right, so let's continue. Uh, a, th a kind of an offshoot of this whole topic of COVID-19 and doing your due diligence and all of that, kind of an offshoot of that is uh, education. You know, people aren't being educated. Kids aren't, are not, we, I wouldn't call it education. I, I'd call it indoctrination and you know, <laughs> propaganda kind of thing it's just that's true people aren't that's being true. taught to do that i mean you want to you want you want people to do their due diligence right but yeah. you don't you sorry dogs barking in the background if you hear that <laughs> uh, we, we gotta do it the way we gotta do it don't we <laughs> that's, hey that's how it goes especially in quarantine lifestyles yeah um, we're but, all in quarantine here so we're doing right. the best we can so i think that's one of the beautiful things about quarantine is is some of these these uh complications are to be expected so everyone's like hey look we understand you've been locked inside for for you know whatever it is 18 right. days now things are gonna happen but yeah, on, on the topic of, um, of education, I think something interesting that we see right now happening is a lot of people have all of a sudden become uh, homeschoolers, essentially, right? right. Uh, people have been, I've been talking to people who have sent their kids to public or even private school historically, and now they're being forced to, to homeschool. 
And this comes back to something that I'm re really just a supporter of, which is a school choice. Uh, whether it's through a voucher mm -hmm. system or a tax break, we can negotiate on that. But like you said, I think a lot of schools do become sources of indoctrination. And a, a way to bypass that is to create some competition and some options out there. Mm -hmm. So give people the option to go to online school, private school, home school for the same cost that they would be spending anyway on public school. And the way that this would help actually some uh, lower income families and inner city families who, who might suffer uh, from education today is all of a sudden now the money that they're paying anyway through taxes out to their public school, that right. comes back to them as a voucher or a break. And it's for them now to send to a private school or to spend on homeschooling or on online school. I think that's a beautiful thing and it helps our population to be better educated and better prepared to face the options that we see in, in the real world. So the attack on homeschooling is, is, what would you consider that? I mean, honestly, you saw the media going, no, 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 homeschooling, blah, blah, blah. We'll put our children back, blah, 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 blah. But right, right. I think it, it's foolish. I mean, right now, to, to speak out, I guess, in defense of people who weren't prepared to homeschool right now, mm. uh, these are some of these people who are homeschooling today because of COVID-19 are people who did not train themselves. They weren't ready to, to start homeschooling and it happened amid an, an emergency. So we can give them some grace. But from a media perspective, uh, I think that it, it's actually a really nasty thing to come against, especially now that it's necessary. You should be encouraging people. You should yeah. be telling people that they can do it. You should be giving them resources. Um, exactly. and, and you should be maybe going to, to those who are expert homeschoolers who have been doing it for years. And you should be saying, here's, here's someone who's done homeschooling how can they help these new homeschooling parents who are now forced into homeschooling? That would be a beautiful thing to see, right. to see people coming together rather than, than doing this backbiting and this unnecessary uh, divisive type of uh, action. I think that's a real, real shame to see. Speaking of backbiting and divisive action, we, we're seeing a lot of um, religious persecution, shall I say? Is it, is it that strong yet? Or I, it's getting it's, there? It's getting it's getting bad, and it's not just religious, but to speak to the religious side, I think that a big issue that we see today is people being told that they can't go to their churches. And I think we've seen a lot of local leaders, whether it's governors, mayors, um, or, or local reps, speaking out in ways that, that are really pretty darn close to a power grab, if you ask me. And uh -huh. I don't like it. I don't like people uh, being told that all of a sudden their constitutional rights don't matter because other people are sick. Uh, you know, something I tweeted out a while ago are, was, uh, what good are constitutional rights if they go away when we're sick, right? I mean, if they go yeah. away in a time of crisis, then, then they're not really rights. Then they're just a convenience-based uh, gift that the government gives us now and then. And that's not what America was meant to be. So, um, so we need to protect people from a healthcare perspective but we also cannot be infringing on rights. You know, we see things like uh, gun shops being forcibly closed. We see things like conveniently most businesses being closed except for Planned Parenthood, which is deemed to be essential. Um, we, exactly. we see things like churches being told that, that they cannot, not only they shouldn't, you know, meet because of health concerns, but that they cannot meet. I think that's a step too far. Um, and some of these leaders really should be ashamed of themselves. And I will be interested, but also scared to see in the future how many of these local leaders willingly give back this power that they have claimed during the coronavirus crisis 
and how many of them are forced to maybe have legal action taken against them or lawsuits because they don't give back the constitutional rights to their people, their citizenry that they took in the, in the name of protection. Right. So how, how, what would, um, you have to come to a balance somehow or another. How do you come to a balance of that though? How do you balance the public health in general with private rights? How, yeah. how do you do that? Do you have, well, some, do you have some answers or? Yeah, I, I think so. So uh, I think that education is the first thing. We need the government and the media to be reporting on specifically uh, American needs, American, uh, the geographical spread of the virus and how at risk your region is. Another thing that would be good for people to know is uh, which age groups are at higher risk. We need to make this more of a, a centralized talking point so that you know that if you're a young, healthy person with no pre-existing conditions, you can probably be a little bit more at ease. And uh, however, you should be taking care of and physically avoiding your grandparents or your, your young friend who has a pre-existing pulmonary condition. Uh, these are facts that everyone should know. But actually, as I've been talking to people over the phone and over video chats, a lot of people aren't, aren't getting this, this message because the media doesn't focus on what you actually need. They focus on what sells, which is fear. So we need to make sure that people are, are better educated. Um, and then I can see shutting down certain public gatherings. So shutting down, let's say, a, a community festival or a community fair. Sure, mm -hmm. there, there's no need for, for the state to be funding something like that that they would typically fund. Right now, you should pull the plug on that and say, you know what, no, it's not going to happen. But a private restaurant or a private church, I don't see any, any reason that the, the state should have the right to shut down your restaurant or your church. If you as the owner of that restaurant or you as the, the attendee of that church want to take the risk and keep it open, then that's your decision. That is okay. And people don't, if people don't want don't to risk it, then they don't have to go. And that's fine. But um, I don't see that it's the state's place to step in as a big brother and strong arm everybody like that. And it sets a dangerous precedent because like I said, now once coronavirus blows over, uh, now we've got this idea that, that the state can shut down our businesses and our churches at, at will. And that's not very good for America. That's not good at all for America. Luke Negron, it was so good to have you back. I want to give you like five minutes and let you speak from your heart and tell people uh, whatever it is that you want to let them know right now, I'm going to shut up and let you go. Okay. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, since we're, we're really on the topic of the coronavirus, COVID-19, or, or as, as Trump has said, the, the Chinese virus, which gets everybody's hair on fire, which is insane because <laughs> we, have, we have things like, you know, Zika, um, like West Nile, which are also named after their, their geographic point of origin. So uh, that's a complaint I have. But let's talk about, about coronavirus really, really quickly and just say a comparison that I think needs to be made is how communism and capitalism how communism and the free market match up in this situation. So we look at a place like China. China threw people in prison for sounding the whistle early on. China tried to hide the story. China let their people die in the, in the favor of bolstering their economy. How did capitalist free market America respond? Capitalist free market America said, you know what? Our economy is gonna take a massive hit, but we're gonna react. We're gonna do what we can to save lives. We're gonna bounce back economically, but we can't bring people back from the dead. We can't, we can't resurrect our citizens. So our citizens come first. So I love that this, this contrast that we have between communism and capitalism here, between China and the United States. Keep that in mind 
I, I think uh, really, really run with that and, uh, and know that what we have here in the United States is, is special. We have a, a leadership structure that is meant to preserve our citizenry first. And that comes down to politics, that comes down to elections, it comes to transparency, it relates to all these issues. But what it, what it ultimately focuses on is your rights as a, as a citizen are given to you by our creator. That's what our founders believe. And communist, um, and, and communist movements, that is not what they believe. And, and the, look no further than China for the evidence of that. So, uh, and beyond that, I would say that uh, we can get through this together. Take care of people, take care of your grandparents, stay uh, you know, physically far from them, but, but emotionally make yourself available um, and, and look out for one another. That, that's really what we need today. There are plenty of ways to connect with your older relatives or your immunocompromised relatives or relatives that just you shouldn't get around. Get a Zoom account. That's right. Go on Skype. Do all of that that you need to do that way. Luke Negron, how do people get a hold of you or contact you or just connect with you? What's your yeah, Twitter you know what? handle? Twitter handle is uh, Luke Edison 20 and all of my social media is linked at negron2020.com. That's N-E-G-R-O-N 2020.com. We just got a reworked website. It's really beautiful. I think you guys are going to love it. And uh, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter. So check us out. Fantastic. Connect with me at Freeman underscore Mary one. Follow New Right Network at New Right Network. This is right now the right voice. Right now, the flagship show of New Right Network. Join us again. Hey, Luke, you join us again sometime too, okay? Thank you. Good to see you, Mary. You've been listening to New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com. <laughs>